Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, it seems like he's on absolutely everything, maybe with the exception of the Spice Channel. It's our friend Robbie Hummel with us. Hello, Robbie. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? You are all over the place, man. I love it. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, it's one of those deals where when you don't do as much in the summer, you have to maximize your winter. <laughs> so I'd rather uh, be outside and be playing golf and whatnot. So in the wintertime, I, I certainly get after it. But, you know, you're watching college basketball games. There could be a lot worse things to be doing. So does somebody keep track of what you're doing, where you need to be, when you need to be there and all that? Or is that you? That's me. Um, I know I've got like a schedule that I've lined up on a spreadsheet or whatever, and um, it's kind of been the way that I've done it. And luckily I haven't like missed a game or double scheduled a game or anything like that. Um, It's been pretty good so far, but yeah, it's uh, book and travel and some of the expense report stuff that that can get a little uh, exhausting there, especially working for two different companies. No doubt about that. And I'm assuming you've had the one coming up at 4 o'clock in Bloomington tomorrow highlighted. You were, as a player, a part of it. And and really, when you look at this game between Purdue and IU in Bloomington, round one of two coming up in the month of February, about as entertaining on paper as you can hope and probably we have seen. I know that they split a year ago, but still, as we've seen in a while, competitive value-wise, where do you start with breaking down this game between the two teams in Bloomington tomorrow? Yeah, I think the fact that this is the first ranked meeting in, in quite some time is pretty surprising. Um, I I probably look at Carolina Duke as being the, the top rivalry in college basketball, but I think Indiana Purdue's right behind it. Um, the one place where the game has probably come up short, and it was kind of like this when I played too, um, save for my freshman year where Indiana was a top 15 team and we were too, but we only played once because remember it used to be the rivalries weren't locked in to play home and home. So we only played at Assembly Hall uh, my freshman season and then didn't get to play a game at Mackey, and we were both in the top 25. That was the D.J. White, Eric Gordon team. So really since then, I think there's been one ranked matchup since, and I just think both schools haven't done a great job of holding up the end of the bargain of, you know, when, when Indiana was ranked, Purdue wasn't, and when Purdue was ranked, um, Indiana wasn't, and then you, you look at the way that the game has gone the last 12 games, Purdue's won 11 to 12. So it hasn't been as competitive maybe as years past when you think about the Coach Katie and, and the Coach Knight years. Um, but it's still, the environments are unbelievable. Um, the fact that the hype has built the way that it has for this game, you have two elite centers and Trace Jackson Davis and, and Zach Eady. Um, this is this is going to be one of those deals where um, the hype is going to be as high as it's been in quite some time, and then hopefully the game delivers. Robbie Hummels on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Did you think Purdue this year would approach being as good as that Purdue team of a year ago? You know, I thought they'd be different, and they certainly are. I think there was pretty big question marks around Zach Eady. Can he play um, – the amount of minutes that they're going to need him to. And that's been answered with a resounding, uh, absolutely. Yes. And then there was question marks around their garbage because they were freshmen. Uh, no one had seen them play in a college basketball game. Uh, I, I thought they'd be 
a top four team in the Big Ten just because they have Matt Painter and they had a lot returning. And then you look at when you look at their roster, you'd say, man, they have they have a good group of of really good players. But there were just some question marks, and and all of those question marks have been answered with you know resounding yeses. You know, Zach Eady is the best player in college basketball. He can play thirty plus minutes a game and does almost every night. Those freshmen have been as good as probably any freshman that Matt Painter has had, and productive and. And clutch, you know, they they have come up big in, in huge moments. Fletcher Lawyer has has been great at the end of games, and Brayden Smith run the team. So I I thought they'd be good, but to say I thought they'd be this good, I, I can't can't take credit for that. And the one thing that I bring up all the time, and Robbie Hummel's with us, and and you could talk a lot more about the point that I'm about to make, but to me the impression I've had, and I've said this basically the entirety of the Big Ten season so far, is Purdue on the road winning. One, which is incredibly tough to do in any conference, much less the Big Ten, but winning in one-possession games. They also had a home game win over Maryland in a one-possession game, and having two freshmen in the backcourt like that would seem to be somewhat of an obstacle that it has not been this season in those close games, and that just speaks to the reality of how well this group executes in late-game situations, both coaching and playing. No, absolutely. Uh, those freshmen are fearless. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer has has made multiple, you know, game clinching and and shots to to take the lead at the end of games. Uh, and, and then you have Zach Eady. I, I mean, you have a guy where you can throw him the ball. You think about the Michigan State game; they they throw it into him. Uh, great pass from Fletcher Lawyer, and then he delivers. They've won every close game, save for the Rutgers game. And uh, that, that speaks to their, their guards, but also their, their talent. I think they're coaching. They're, they're very well-disciplined. They have a dominant force in, in Zach Eady. Um, and at the end of the day, Purdue has the luxury of their best offense at times can be just miss a shot and let Eady and let Caleb first go get it. And they get to the line at a rate that, that most teams, you know, I think they've, they've made more free throws than their opponents have shot on the season. So they, they've got multiple things. And now that they're, they're shooting the ball, at a higher clip. I think the last nine games, they're shooting 40% from three. So developing a scouting report, if they're going to shoot it like that, and you know they've got Edie and they get on the glass and they shoot free throws the way that they do, I'm not envious of Mike Woodson or any Big Ten coach having to decide what do you give up. You know, Micah Shrewsbury said we're going to let some of these other guys shoot, and Mason Gillis breaks the record for threes in Mackey Arena. <laughs> so it's it's not a an easy place to be scouting for Purdue. You know, it's funny you bring up Mason Gillis too, Robbie, because you said something after the game the other night. Uh, that that was interesting to me in, in terms of well sometimes I defer and I need to be more confident. Listen, this dude shoots with confidence, and I'm just assuming here that when you have so many different options, one main option, one huge option, but so many different options, that sometimes maybe it's not so much with players like Mason Gillis that you're thinking about putting one up and getting yours and you do defer a little bit more. That can be viewed as a lack of confidence, but it seems to be like it's just being team-oriented more than anything else with a guy like that. No, I agree with you. I think Purdue has as good as any team in college basketball at roll behind. They are all willing to throw the ball into Zach Eady. You see other teams that have good bigs, sometimes those guards. Man, a lot of those guys want to score. (laughs) So the fact that they're so willing to throw it in, end of the game, it doesn't look like anybody has an ego about who's getting the ball, who's getting the last shot. We've seen Fletcher Lawyer take big shots into the game. We've seen Zach Eady do it. Um, I just think that Matt Painter has done such a good job of putting together a team that is filled with skill, 
um, size, and then just the role buy-in. You get these guys to, to buy into their role. Think about Trey Coffin Ren. You know, he he's a talented guy, can really score in the post. They play through him when he's on the floor. At times, he's he's had some struggles. He's had some games where he didn't get to play a whole lot. But then the mission game, he, he has a huge impact in the second half, scores eight points. You know, so I just think that those guys get along great. They look like they are playing for each other. And they just have a chemistry that looks like they are one of the elite teams in college basketball. He is Robbie Hummel on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline talking Purdue and IU round one tomorrow, 4 o'clock down in Bloomington. Let's switch gears a little bit and go to IU. We know that Trace Jackson Davis is a have-to, and he's been just that. But the lack of support for him in games has led to their downfall. And most of the time you see, Robbie, that support that he gets at home. And I would expect – Hood Shafino not to have a one for fourteen shooting night and to be able to ride shotgun with him at some point more consistently. But if there's another player on that roster that you would expect to start maybe being what people hope, being more offensively consistent, who would that be? Boy, that's a that's an interesting question. There, um, I do agree with you. I think you look at the Hood Shafino against Ohio State, and he looks like a lottery pick, and you see him. Um, in the Maryland game, and it's it's a freshman, right? He's a guy that's going through some struggles. They count on him offensively. Shots weren't going down that night. There's no question he's talented. If I'm picking another guy with no Xavier Johnson in the lineup, uh, <laughs> oof, I'll say Tamar Bates. You know, I, I think not just relying on your three-point jumper, using the shot fake, going off the bounce, um, he's shown flashes, but I, I just the consistency, and you're right, the road versus home, they've looked like a different team. I had him at Minnesota. I had him at Maryland, and it's like, will anybody else help Trace Jackson Davis win this game? Um, and at Minnesota, Trace basically won it by himself, it seemed like, and, and at Maryland, they just didn't have enough. Because I didn't think Maryland even played all that well. So um, that, that's going to be really interesting. I expect Purdue to, to post-trap um, Trace Jackson Davis the entire game. I think that that's what teams are going to do going forward, and, and you're going to make Miller Cop, and you're going to make some of these role guys, um, Trey Galloway, even Tamar Bates, they'll rotate to them. But I, I think coaches will live with the fact that those guys are going to be shooting rather than Trace Jackson Davis because he's one of the best players in college basketball. If Zach Eady's not in the Big Ten, I'd say that, that he or maybe Jalen Pickett are the front runners to be Big Ten player of the year. But the fact of the matter is Eady is in the Big Ten, and he has been – as dominant as anybody in the in the country this year. Hey, Robbie, you mentioned Miller Cop. What's odd about that? I don't know if you've noticed this or not, or at least something I, I thought I've noticed is, you know, he's he's a, a shooter by trade, is what they say and what they describe, but he's he hesitates on, on a yeah, kick out does. on a kick out. He hesitates and goes with that that sidestep, that fake, and then sidestep stuff. That doesn't seem like what was advertised he was supposed to be when he got to Bloomington. Yeah, he's had some games where he's he's made a bunch of threes. The Syracuse game from last year sticks out to me. Um, I thought he's been more aggressive at Minnesota. He he shot more. I thought again, I think against Ohio State, the two game stretch of those two, he took fourteen shots. And the five games prior to Minnesota, he's he'd taken thirteen total. So in five games. He hadn't matched what he had done against Minnesota and Ohio State. I have to imagine Mike Woodson has said, look, dude, if you are open, you have got to shoot the basketball. You shoot 43% from three. You're third in the Big Ten percentage-wise. You are out here to shoot. You are not out here to put the ball on the floor. Now, if they're running you off the line, you want a shot fake, wonderful pull-up, I'm with it. But you are out here to shoot. 
And I, I just, it's a little bit baffling. I don't understand why at times he looks like a guy that's shooting more like 30% rather than 40%. It, it really doesn't make much sense. He is Robbie Hummel with us, and you've been a part of this rivalry in the past. Give me a, a game that stands out to you all time, either in Mackey or in Bloomington, or anywhere for that did matter. I, did I play it in? Or, yeah, or exactly. In the, or, I mean, you, you know uh, what? You can, it, it can be you can play it in. It can also be just you as an observer. Um, boy, you know, I, I, I guess I've, I've announced, I think two Purdue Indiana games, both of them in Mackey. I played in certainly more than that. Um, there's been a lot of great moments. I mean, Bobby and I throw in the chair. It's an iconic college basketball moment. Um, as for one that I played in, I guess I'd think of my junior year, you know, we were ranked in the top five or six teams in the country. Indiana was, they had their freshman at Christian Watford and Jordan Holes and those guys. You could tell that they were coming, but they still were, were young and were struggling with, with Tom Crane. But the atmosphere was unbelievable. It really was. We, we went in there, and Indiana didn't have a great season that year. But on that night, they played great, and the crowd was amazing. And I remember Jordan Holes making a three to go up one with like five minutes to go. And it was like, man, this, it feels like the building is shaking. And we ended up pulling it out. And I, I do remember Chris Kramer stomping on the state of Indiana, and the place was just up for grass after it. It's like, man, we might need to get a security escort for Kramer here because he he was uh, definitely hyped about the win. And uh, it's just it's a great game to be a part of. Um, the, the rivalry between the fans, the players, the coaches, it, it's it's the real deal. So I'm looking forward to watching tomorrow. And I uh, wish I could be there, but uh, I'll, I'll definitely be watching. Where, where are you going to be tomorrow? I will be at Tennessee Auburn, so I'm we're the game before, and then it will be Indiana Purdue. So I'll get to catch them in the airport. A little bit warmer down there too. By the way, Kramer stomping yeah. on the state of Indiana at midcourt. I have yep. seen uh, Todd Foster and Porter Roberts spike the basketball on the state <laughs> of Indiana at midcourt too. Yep. No, I, I guess it's you got to get creative about how you're going to do it. Um, <laughs> but yes, I do remember the fans saying some hilarious things to Chris as he <laughs> walked bet. off the floor after that. They were not pleased. I bet. All right, you can catch Robbie Hubble tomorrow. Tennessee and Auburn, that is the game prior on ESPN to IU and Purdue. The first of two between the Boilermakers and the Hoosiers coming up tomorrow at 4 o'clock down in Bloomington. The former Boilermaker and ESPN broadcaster, Big Ten Network, he just does everything. Robbie Hummel's on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, thanks for carving out some time today. We'll catch up again as we get further into the season, okay? No, no problem. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, he has been through many of these rivalry matchups between IU and Purdue. He was back in the 90s, the Big Ten Player of the Year, and... Uh, had a sweet lefty look from distance. It's Brian Evans with us. Now, also, by the way, help me out with my snoring at Aurora Sleep Clinic. Brian Evans joins us now. How you doing, big fella? I'm doing great, and you don't need my blessing, but we can get rid of the entertaining loss. I'm with you. Oh, my goodness. I, I got to ban the entertaining loss. I can't hear it anymore. It just drives me nuts. I And, and, and Brian, I get 
I get for what what you're looking for in growth, but please, as a former NBA or as a former basketball player at a high level, explain all the areas of growth that you can also have beyond worrying about something that rolls around in the month of June. Man, they had everything they needed to win that game last night. That was brutal. I bought hey, I bought the Bally's package to watch that thing. And that's what I got at the end of the game. I'm yeah. giving it back. I had a one week trial. I'm giving it back. <laughs> no. Well, I, I will say this. I'm not like I'm not pushed away from the product. I am more like when I get the hey, that was a fun game to watch, and you know what? That loss got him closer to being a lottery team or whatever. I, I'm just I'm more interested, Brian, in seeing this team grow. And if it's ahead of schedule and it's growing as players in terms of winning games, I think that to me is as important as anything else as far as growing a team together. Yeah, that was tough. That was a tough one. I and and I don't know. I remember sitting on the bench in NBA games and wondering how many timeouts people had. I think they have as many as they want, and the end of the game takes so long. Sometimes I got to give a little bit of that to Rick because, man, that was that that play that they ran into the corner. I, why would you put yourself down there? You don't have a timeout. I, I, the end of that game was super disappointing. I'm with you on the growth side of it. Um, and, and man, do I like this team. There's so much to like. Um, and they're close. I, and But that, that was a game they should have had, no doubt. It's uh, Brian Evans with us, the former Big Ten Player of the Year as well. So we're getting to round number one of IU Purdue coming up tomorrow afternoon. At 4 o'clock. And I know five consecutive wins for IU and the IU side of things. You'll lose on the road in Maryland on Tuesday. But what do you think about this matchup going in for tomorrow? This is a, You know what? This is about as good as we've seen in a long time. You know, you've got two ranked teams, Purdue sitting at the very top of the table, kind of kind of running away with the, the conference. Uh, but the game's in Bloomington. I'm as excited about this one as I've been for an IU game in a really long time. It's This should be fun. When you look back at your career, what's at the top of your IU-Purdue list as a player? You know, uh, they were really good during the you know the years that I played. Right. And, and, and Glenn was there. Uh, you know, he, just, he brought some funk with him, man. There, were, there was something about him being on the roster – and it was only for a couple seasons, but I watched my, my in-laws watch the game uh, one or two of the seasons that I, I want to say both years that Glenn played in Assembly Hall, and you know we won both of those games, and I actually forgot how good he was in college. That guy, that guy yeah. was ridiculous. Ridiculous. He was getting thirty. He was getting thirty. The question is, is he going to get forty? And um, we managed to to beat him both times in Assembly Hall, but uh, just. Just a great rivalry. You know, I grew up watching it, and and to me it was, yeah, there was always good players, but it was such a coaching battle. It was Katie versus Knight, and when I found out that those two guys were buddies, I lost some sleep over that. I was positive <laughs> that they hated each other, and I loved the fact that we, we just hated them. They hated us. The coaches hated each other, and when I found out they were buddies, I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> Yeah, you had that little pipe dream working, man. It just burst right there on you. I got it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it either way. 
don't get me wrong, because I, I'm just glad with this one tomorrow we are going to be back, uh, hopefully, uh, with a competitive level for both teams of which we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I mean, we, the last year we scraped that game out. You know, Trace was in, if I remember right, was in foul trouble a right. bunch, and and we got contributions from other people, and kind of, you know. Edie wasn't playing a ton of minutes, and I remember I was at the game. I remember sitting. I talked to you on the way down there, actually, and sitting there going, "You know, why does this guy not play more? Because he he dominates the game, he dominates the paint, and um, unless we get him in foul trouble, he's going to play 35 minutes tomorrow. So we're going to get a big dose of him for sure. I, I expect the building to be about as intense as it's been in a long, long time." Um, and I like our chances, actually. I really do. I think there's so much energy that you get from the crowd. I that feeling of playing in front of that place when it's when it's rocking, it, it, it's it's more than a sixth man, that's for sure. And I, and I like our guys. I mean, I, I like our chances tomorrow. I really do. As a player, Brian Evans joins us as a player in that building, especially with games of the magnitude of the one coming up tomorrow, Brian. How many points do you think that building rocking the way that it will be tomorrow? can normally be worth for a team? Yeah, that's a tough – you know, I don't know how many points it's worth. It would be hard to assign a number. But here, here's what I really think. I think if Indiana gets the loose balls and those kind of the 50-50 balls, the crowd appreciates that as much as they do a big three-pointer. I mean, you could, you, you've you been there enough times. That energy that, that's in the building, if we're getting those, those scrappy balls, you know, the, the 50-50s, the, the intensity just turns up and turns up. We just need energy from the players. I mean, if they come out and and they're aggressive, we've got to make some three-pointers. That's the second thing. You're not going to beat them with, you know, Trace around the rim. You know, and we've beat a lot of teams with Trace making baskets right at the rim. I don't think that happens with the 7-4 guy in the middle of the paint. So, to me, he's going to ha- – Trace will have a good game, but there's going to have to be some three-point shots. And when you look at that five-game winning streak – um, we made three-point baskets. Somebody got hot. You know, Hood Shafino made some. Uh, we've got, you know, three or four different guys have contributed with making threes. We're going to need some three-point baskets, is my opinion. Well, no doubt about that, too. And there have been moments, and Brian Evans joins us, by the way, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. There have been moments, and, and we've talked about it, too, whether it's, you know, Tamar Bates against Michigan State and, you know, especially those games at home where Trace gets some help, but consistently that help hasn't been there. And it was tough for them last week to get by Minnesota because of that lack of support he got. And then obviously they lost Tuesday night and he got no support in College Park and that loss to Maryland. But at home, it is always a different element. So support is certainly necessary for Trace. I think it's more obvious to expect to get that from somebody else on that roster at home coming up tomorrow, as it might be, for example, later on in the month up in West Lafayette. Yeah, for sure. And I think when you're talking about young, inexperienced guys, um, which we have a lot of, you know, take trace and race out of that. But beyond that, there's a lot of inexperienced players that haven't that haven't gone and proved it and done anything on the road. Um, but I, I expect a couple guys. It is. It's a lot easier at home. I expect a couple of those guys, whether it's Bates or Galloway. Uh, I, I do think Jafino will have a good game tomorrow. It's easier to do that at home. It, it, there's no question, and I think for the young guys, um, they're going to feel that energy, and, and they're going to be able to step into shots and 
and feel like they can knock them down. Hey, guys, let's face it, guys like to be cheered for. And they're going to have 17,000 people there cheering for them tomorrow. So Brian Evans, a former Hoosier, he's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We, we talked right after that Penn State loss, and you talked about some things they needed to do, things that weren't happening. They go on a five-game win streak, lost obviously in Maryland on Tuesday night. What have you liked about the past five out of six out of this team that obviously we did not see the two or three games prior to start the January portion of the Big Ten schedule? We were we were so listless in those three games. I mean, that was a low point for sure. I, I can't imagine we get lower than that. That was depressing. It, it seemed like we didn't come to play. We didn't have any intensity, and, and defensively, we're it was five guys all on an island, and that's just a, that's a bad thing. And so they rallied it somehow, and, and got to give credit where it's due. Trace really put the team on his back and put up some some just video game numbers there for a few games that are you know, that we've never seen before. And uh, he kind of won me over. I, I was, I've been de- pretty down on him. And uh, certainly during those three games that we lost, I wanted to blame him a little bit for not leading better than that as a four-year player. But, man, he, he, he bounced back from it. it. It seemed like he pulled some guys with him. and, and But they just played with some, with some heart more than anything else. And you know, the Big Ten, I mean, wow, how down is the Big Ten right now? I've been watching all these games. I don't think I've ever seen an Izzo team playing like this, you know, this late in the season. And top to bottom, the the bracketology guys still have the Big Ten getting nine teams in. And as I watch all these teams play, I'm I'm surprised. I, I doesn't seem like the Big Ten's very deep right now. What do you think? Well, it's not not usual. There's no doubt about that. I I think you can look around the landscape of college basketball as a whole and find a lot of that too. You agree? And I, I don't know. If I can really target anything, if it's, you know, an exodus to playing professionally, if it's, you know, the transfer portal, it bounces everybody around. I don't really know, but it kind of seems like college basketball is a little bit like what we see in the Big Ten. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I've seen a few Big 12 games of teams that I don't normally watch, A&M and Kansas State, and I just caught a couple games, and I thought, whoa, these, these teams look better than what I'm seeing in the Big Ten. I don't know – but all in all, I, I think you're right. I think, I mean, look at Duke's down in Carolina. By the way, they're going to air, they're going to take college game day to Duke, yeah. in Carolina, unranked over 1 and 21 IU Purdue. How can that be? You got to butt sniff those programs, don't you? Don't you have to do yeah. that if you're ESPN? Nose firmly entrenched in the rear end? Got to do that. Wow. Yeah, I, I was surprised. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I think every, I think there's that, the portal piece in, Everyone's in a big hurry to you know run off to the NBA if they think they can. I I don't know. It just seems like it's a little more watered down than I've ever seen it. You know, it's funny you mentioned that regarding the Big 12. Two weeks ago on a Saturday, I'm watching TCU run roughshod at Allen Fieldhouse all over Kansas, and they look like the best team by far in the country. The game prior, they lost to West Virginia, and the game after, I think they lost to Mississippi State. So it is just kind of all over the board for a lot of these teams right now. Yeah. Yep, I agree with that. So, Brian Evans, the former Hoosier, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I was going to ask you this, and obviously the guy that coached you, well, the technology was unavailable. Um, he brought out a, a donkey with a Purdue hat on uh, as opposed to doing a, a cameo. I did, did you see the Mike Woodson cameo that bounced around from Purdue land? 
I did. I did. <laughs> uh, I, it was embarrassing. I, 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 I mean, you got to give the the Purdue faithful or whoever the student was, or that was that was crazy. Oh, I, be, I believe that's a man. I believe that's a man. <laughs> That was uh, yeah, uh, $140 a or 130 dollars well spent. I mean, yeah. I, I chuckled at it, laughed at it, but I also wonder how in the heck. What, number one, why is why is Coach Woodson on there and on cameo, and how did he not pick up on it? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, I, it, um, the cameo thing is is weird. I just, I guess I look at it this way, and I completely understand as a former player where you might be. But this world is is so different in such a variety of things, especially with things like that, uh, that it was when you were a player, when we were younger, all that. I just kind of, I guess I just take it in the moment. I just was kind of curious as a former player what you might have, especially at a very high level, what you might have thought about it. Somebody sent it to me, and I, and I, first time I watched it, I was like, what, what is this? Somebody sent this to me. Why is he shooting a video? You could tell that they were on the team bus. And by the end of it, I was laughing. And then I watched it again. <laughs> I'm with you. I, it's not a big deal. It's nothing to get, you know, all, all upset about. But I don't get it. I don't get it. He's, he doesn't have enough time. They should be in there watching tape, breaking down film with Zach Eady. I don't why. I don't know why we'd be doing something like that. Hopefully, when they say the haze in the barn, I hope the haze in the barn on that by now. Don't you think? <laughs> Hopefully so. If it's not, if it's not, that's going to be uh, an issue coming up tomorrow. But I did want to get this final thing, and Brian Evans joins us about that turnaround that we saw that started with the Wisconsin game. And it really started on the defensive end. And, you know, we were talking about the coaching, lack of motivation, some of this stuff that that obviously um, looked to be the case against Penn State, against Northwestern, second half against Iowa. Does it look like that this staff, in a lot of ways, did figure something out over that five-gamer? Well, you have to say yes because they they won five in a row. I mean, even, it doesn't matter if the Big Ten is down. If you win five in a row midseason in the Big Ten, you're you're doing something right. I, whether it came from the coaching staff, I, I would like to think it was collective. You get the team together, and, and you have what they call a come to Jesus, right? Then you have a then you have a players only meeting. You know, they talk about this in every sport. Every all this, you know, journalists. Oh, what is this? Players only. Players only. They had players only mean what was said. Well, sometimes you just look at each other and go, God, we really suck. We're not competing at all. We got to figure it out right now. Let's look at each other in the eyes. Let's tell each other the truth, air some things out, and then try to go play basketball. And and, and they did that. You know, whether or not the I, – I don't know that it was an X's and O's thing, John. I think it was just a lack of desire and lack of heart. And they turned it around. They started competing. You just saw – you saw them, like on the ball defense just looked more active and and alert, and I know that sounds basic, but that's what I was saying. Just guys that were in a stance trying to compete, saying, "I'm not going to let my man beat me." It starts right there. It's uh, Brian Evans, the former Big Ten Player of the Year, the former NBAer, who is with me on the banishment of the term "entertaining loss." We're done with it. Done. Absolutely. Denny also, by the way, helps me sleep better at Aurora Sleep Clinic. I got to get up there and get that more comfortable mouthpiece. But, man, I can't thank you and Steve enough. 
for sending me down a new path with the bed rest is as solid as ever, brother. I appreciate you. You're the man. We're happy to help you. Come see me again, and we'll get you taken care of. You got it, B. Evans. Thank you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, big deal going on, I've heard, down in Bloomington tomorrow. 4 o'clock to start, 3 o'clock your pregame coverage downstairs on 93 WIBC. It is Purdue and IU round number one. Coming up tomorrow afternoon from Bloomington, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, joins us. Hello, Don. John, how are you? Thank you so much for the invite, by the way, today. Not a problem, big boy. I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know, you caught me on a day, too. It was so fortunate when you sent me that text. I was I actually wore pants today. <laughs> so I go, all right. I knew there was a reason why I needed to wear pants today. So that's good. What do you? What do you? What's your normal attire for a work day? Shorts on a day like uh, this? Basketball. I, I'm a basketball short wearing dude, and I think actually it was kind of normally I like the cold air. I like the cold air. It's like it's like my cheap, you know, cryotherapy on my my left knee. So I kind of like it on there. But today I wore snow pants. <laughs> Well, it, snow pants is what is needed today. So you, you, you got well, the right. No, I mean, right normally, tire. normally I would. I've got, uh, but I did. I wore regular pants today, so I'm I'm good to go for that. But I can't, I can't wait to go to uh, our table. And in fact, I was going to tell you this: that my good friend from the South Side around Center Grove, um, and it's Jason Getham of Getham Associates, actually had sent me a gift card. He was kind enough to do that. He's an advertiser for this show and my show on Saturdays over at B105.7 and was kind enough to send a gift card. So it is, we're good to go, buddy. Good to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have a good time. No question. Well, thank you very much for that invite. I cannot wait to uh, to see you down there and hang out at our table coming up a little bit later on. After the show, I don't know you've been prepping all week long, at least after the Maryland game, for what's about to take place coming up tomorrow. I talked to Trace yesterday, and uh, he was like more mature. I guess I would expect it because he's old enough now to be more mature. But the maturity level was so far from what I remember, and also a level of confidence. He seemed to me, even after that Maryland loss yesterday, talking to him, Don, incredibly confident about taking on Purdue tomorrow. Well, I, I think that's true, and I think that's because as a as a young guy, as a freshman, sophomore, even maybe part of his junior year, uh, he, he's still in the maturing process, and and not just as a player, but as a person. And you're right; uh, I've interviewed him twice this year, uh, two or three times actually this season, and I can just tell there's a different vibe from him. There's a different feeling. There's a confident level. Uh, that we didn't previously feel. I mean, he's always been a competent kid, but don't get me wrong, but I, I think there's just it's just different. And he believes in himself. He believes in this team. Uh, I, I, I think this team has got a really good chance to win tomorrow, but they're going to have to play some of their best basketball of the year, and they're going to have to find a way to stop the other guy, the big guy inside for Purdue in Zach Eady, because this guy is such a load. So I you know, I'm really looking forward to the game. I think everybody is because obviously Indiana was able to win it last year at Assembly Hall to end a nine-game losing skid, which needed to be ended. And now you feel like the rivalry's back a little bit and that these two teams will really go at it. And it's going to be a, 
I think it's going to be a great show tomorrow. Yeah, first time these two teams have met in a long time when they're both right. Now, obviously, we'll see about the rankings for IU coming out at the end of this week, early next week, but that doesn't matter right now. It's the matchup coming up tomorrow. And I guess over the course of the five-game win streak, Don, that Minnesota game, and then certainly in that loss on Tuesday night to snap it in College Park, we're always talking about the supporting group behind Trace Jackson Davis offensively. They survived in Minneapolis without that, could not survive in College Park against Maryland when Trace got, well, realistically, not a lot to no offensive help. That is just necessary. That support is necessary and certainly hugely complimentary is what you're looking for tomorrow against Purdue. No question. Uh, other guys are going to have to step up tomorrow. We know uh, for a fact that Purdue is probably going to double-team Trace. Um, and last year, you'll remember, they got him in foul trouble. And, and you just got to have that guy on the floor. It's that simple. Now, you don't have to go to him every time, or, or, but you should. And, and simply because he's a, a really good passer out of the double-team. He's gotten so much better at that. Tomorrow, it's going to come very quickly, and I think he's going to have to get rid of the ball, and he's going to have to get rid of it to whoever's open. And that's saying, you know, who leaves his man to come and double him, that's who you got to go to. And then that guy's going to be able or going to have to knock down a shot. And, and that's, I, I think that's the good thing about this Indiana basketball team right now is, is that they've got more than one guy they can rely on to hit threes. Uh, even though they don't do it on a consistent basis, we know – that Miller Cop obviously can make threes. We certainly know that Tamar uh, Bates can make threes. And obviously, Trey Galloway might be the most improved shooter in this basketball team from the last couple of years because he's hitting the best percentage of anybody on the ball club right now. He's hitting over 50% of his threes. And, and this kid can shoot. I, I, I've encouraged him, and I think I maybe told you this or maybe I didn't. But I, every time I see Trey Galloway, I go, Shoot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> because, man, he is being able to knock down shots so much more so than we've ever seen before. And I think he's a guy that they really have to look to tomorrow in that regard. I completely agree. Don Fisher joins us with that. And I was talking to Robbie Hummel a little bit earlier today. And with regards to Miller Cop, sometimes, Don, he's hesitant to shoot off a pass. He will, he will hesitate, maybe fake, take that sidestep, shoot that. I, I want to see him be confident in stepping into it. And sometimes he just looks like he hesitates a little bit, and that's the time it takes for that defense to recover on him. It's called being ready to shoot it when the ball gets there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what yeah. every great shooter does. Yes, He is ready for the pass to come that it will get him a shot. And so many of the time, Miller is not looking to shoot the basketball. He's looking to make a pass or to do something else with it. And there's no question he gets a lot of attention because he's such a good outside shooter. But so does everybody else in this basketball team now because almost everybody can make a three. I trace being the exception. So, uh, honestly, at this juncture, Miller has got to start looking for a shot, shot more often and, I, you know, I, I don't know why he doesn't because he is such a really good shooter. And that's what he did all summer. He worked on that shot because he knew last year he was not living up to the standards that he'd set for himself previously. So, uh, without doubt, I think Miller has got to be more of a factor in the shooting department. I think that doesn't go just for tomorrow. I think he has to go for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, they, they've got to find, and I, I mentioned this after the loss Tuesday, consistent support 
for Trace because we've seen it, you know, in a fleeting moment against Michigan State from Tamar Bates. We've seen it as well on and off from Trey Galloway, as you mentioned. There's just been nothing consistent. And, Don, that has to develop because if it doesn't, then this team's not going to live up to expectations. At some point, that consistency from somebody has to be there. Right. You've got to have more than one guy that, that, that dominates the offensive end of the floor. And Trace is obviously that guy right now. But good defenses are going to take advantage and, uh, and double-team him or dig down on him like the last couple, two or three teams have done. Uh, it's going to make him less effective. Therefore, somebody else has to pick up the slack. And that's what, right now, I think that's what this team is really looking for. Uh, who it is, I don't care, as long as it's somebody. And they're going to have to be more than one guy, probably, in each of these ballgames coming up. The voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. 3 o'clock, your coverage begins tomorrow in front of Purdue and IU, round number one down in Bloomington. That's downstairs, 93 WIBC. And Don's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How defensively do you expect IU to handle Zach Eady? You know, my hope is, well, I shouldn't say my hope because I'm not a coach, but my belief is that you've got to, you've got to at least contain him. And I'd like to see Indiana do the same thing that they've been doing to Trace, that everybody else has been doing to Trace. That, that guy coming off who digs down on him, who just gets in there and, you know, if he gets the ball down below or right around his waist or something, bad at it. Get, you know, somehow get him uncomfortable because he is such, he has got such great footwork. And, and I'm, I knew he was going to be this way as a junior because when we saw him as a freshman, the first game he played in against Indiana, he didn't even look – I mean, he looked like uh, Isaac Haas back in the day when he first started. He couldn't move. He didn't really know what to do. He wasn't using his feet well. And the second time we played him the same year, he looked like a totally different basketball player. And that tells you something about the coaching and the coaches on Matt Painter's staff because there was no doubt he made dramatic improvement in about a – probably a seven- or eight-game stretch from the first time Indiana played him that year. And he has gotten better each and every season he's been there. He is absolutely a guy you can't move. He's 300 pounds. He's seven feet four inches tall. And he's got a great touch inside. So you're going to have to do something special against him. But then you can't let those other guys beat you because they've got guys who can shoot the three. And obviously, Mason Gillis coming up with a career the other night, uh, 29 points. I think he had nine three-point field goals in that game, if, I, if, if, if I'm correct. That's yes. just astounding. What, I mean, what he did was amazing in itself. But obviously, you got the lawyer kid that's really a great outside shooter. Braden Smith can knock down threes. And obviously, there are other people on this basketball team that are capable of doing it as well. They, they've got the tools. That's why they're 22-1 and one right now. They've got the tools to make it very difficult to whoever they play against. So right now, I think the key from Indiana's perspective is they've got to really be good defensively tomorrow, much better than they were without fouling uh, <laughs> like they did against Maryland. And then at the same time, they've got to be able to knock down some shots because, and they're going to have to do it from outside, I think, if they're going to have any chance of beating Purdue because I think they're going to try and take Trace away and they'll probably be pretty effective at it. The, um, the fouling part that you're talking about in College Park Tuesday night was mind-numbing. I mean, it, it really was. And, and Don, so much of that was due to, I think I heard Eric even say this too, was due to IU just being in bad position for a lot of those fouls. Well, so much of the time when they did, I mean, 
what, what, what amazes me about it is these guys all know what they're supposed to do on the, on the court defensively. They, they weren't in position a lot of the time. And those are the kinds of things that kill you. Now, granted, Maryland only shot 34% in the ball game, But you don't get that number of fouls called against you if you're moving your feet. You can't reach. And you can't do it against anybody that's a good basketball team. Maryland proved that. And we know how, how good they are. They've gotten so much better this year. And likewise, Purdue is doing the same thing. And, you know, teams like Wisconsin, these, these teams don't get that many fouls called on them, not in comparison with what happens in Indiana. So there's a lot of reaching going on with this ball club right now, and that's got to stop. Yeah, no doubt about that. I was going to ask you this, too. But you, you talk about last year with, with Jaden Ivey and Travion Williams. Are you surprised that this Purdue team, certainly without you losing a, a high lottery selection and a really good guy in a low post in Travion Williams, are you surprised this team certainly looks better than it looked even a year ago with that level of talent that they, that they lost? I, I, I am surprised in that regard, but I'm not surprised that they're good because Matt Painter has done a remarkable job. He recruits the kind of kids that he wants for his program that fit their system, fit the way they want to play. Those guys have a passion for Purdue basketball, and that's what we've got to see from Indiana. We've got to see that passion to play at Indiana and I think, again, part of it is due to the fact that we don't have as many Indiana kids in our ball club uh, as, as Purdue has on theirs. And, and I'm not saying there's a negative there in that regard other than the fact that I think we've got maybe get a few more kids from Indiana on this basketball team to really help um, understand how important it is about winning at IU. Because let's face facts right now. Indiana basketball hasn't been the same since Bob Knight left. It just hasn't. And if Mike Woodson hopes to get it to that point again, to get it where it used to be, I think you've got to have guys that have a real passion to play for this school. And I'm not saying that these kids don't believe in Indiana, don't love Indiana. I'm simply saying you got to have a passion to play the game and to want to win. And if you get that kind of passion and that kind of belief and that kind of confidence, it, it makes an incredible difference. Well, we've certainly talked about this before, and I, I like Matt a great deal. And he seems like takes the philosophy of what you were talking about as to what IU used to do. And, and it stands to reason because Matt grew up as an IU fan before, you know, he went to Purdue and played for Gene That's Caddy. Right. So, that, That's right. I mean, he's got a, a similar philosophy to how it worked old school wise back in the day with IU. Yeah, Matt. Matt was coming to Indiana. I yeah. mean, he 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 had basically told uh, Indiana he wanted to come, that he was ready to come, ready to make the the decision to come, and he got it taken away from him because, well, you know the story. I assume you know the story there. Do you know that? No, I don't know. I don't know who ended up <laughs> taking it away from him. Well, I, you took it away from him because they. I shouldn't. I really shouldn't tell you this. I, I won't go there. I'll tell you tonight what we eat. <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Where's Twitter? I'm, I'm oh. sorry. I, I, I'm sorry that I. I'm sorry that I kind of titillated I, everybody. But I'm. I'm not going to reveal that unless I find out it's okay. I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about it um i mean there, there's a lot of stuff see when i text him and much like when you do your your pre-game interview he 
comes right on. I mean, he's just the, the best dude ever, seriously. Yeah. And uh, he comes right on. And we end up talking about a lot of stuff that's really non-basketball related. I don't think – I just knew that he was an IU fan. I just don't think I'd ever ask him in particular about that story. <laughs> because I, I thought that I thought that he kind of had an interest in Georgetown back then because, you know, Georgetown with John Thompson, you know, back when he was coming out of high school was a big deal. I mean, it was a big right. deal, and I thought that he had interest in Georgetown. I knew that he grew up an IU fan, though. Well, he did. He grew up an IU fan. <laughs> and I'll tell you more tonight when I can make you swear to, to not say anything else. I will not tweet it out after you tell me later on tonight. Yeah. And you know you're going to have a thousand tweets. Everybody goes, oh, yeah. you got to tell us. you got to tell us. I'll just have them rip my ass. They can rip me for that. They won't. They won't be ripping. <laughs> won't be. Won't be ripping you. But no, we'll get back to the point that's being made here. Uh, he has a, a an understanding and a respect for that philosophy, and that philosophy has certainly worked. And it's kind of turned the tables on what IU used to do, and they haven't done in particular recently, and what he's doing in West Lafayette now. I can't argue with you at all about that. I, I What I see in Matt Painter uh, is a lot of what I saw at Indiana University for 27 years under Bob Knight. Um, he takes kids that believe in the system that they play. Uh, he gets uh, he gets a, the best kids from Indiana that he can find. And uh, I think the, the reasons that he does so is simply because of that passion that they will play with at Purdue. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And we got to get the same thing at Indiana. No, there's there's no doubt, and um, he's got it rolling there right now. It's kind of funny too when when you hear from, and at least I do, Boilermaker fans here, they're still kind of waiting. They're waiting for that success in the tournament. It's like right now they can't even really enjoy what's going on with a unanimous number one team and a one loss <laughs> season so far because they're worried about what happens once we get to March in the NCAA tournament. I, I said you got to sit back and soak a lot of this up because you know, this stuff is pretty special, regardless of the situation. Right, right. and here, here's here's my thing about that, John. <laughs> uh, the Purdue fans, there's a reason that people uh, look at Purdue fans and go, "Are you kidding me? What are you talking about?" I mean, they don't celebrate the positives. That I had a guy last year tell me, this guy said, "I will be so glad when Jaden Ivey's gone." I went, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. He goes, he goes, I, he, he says, I just, I don't think he's the right fit. Jeez, <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? The kid was absolutely phenomenal yeah. for Purdue in two years that he was there. And anybody that didn't celebrate that guy being at Purdue is absolutely crazy. I no, mean, he's just I, crazy. I agree. I agree. And, and, and even if it has worked that, out. So, yes, yeah, there's and, no doubt. And, it, and it's the negativism of, you know, we'll get in the tournament and then we'll get beat. That kind of thing. I hear that from Purdue guys all the time, and I want to go, you guys are just nuts. <laughs> and, and let's face it, too. I mean, you know, the IU is still chasing it right now. They're, they're yep. still chasing to get back to where they want to be, where they need to be, and where they're expected to be. Exactly. There's there's no doubt about that. And, and Mike Woodson would be the first to tell you that that's the case. They're not there yet. And, then, and it's not going to happen – probably not going to happen this year because this is still a program that's developing under a new coach. And just the second year in, you could expect positive things to happen, but you can't expect the whole enchilada, if you will. And honestly, right now, and we found that with this team already. So just understand 
It's a building process. It takes time and patience. And, of course, nobody has that anymore. No doubt. Have you ever put a value, a points value, on Assembly Hall in a game like this? No, I've never thought about that. I know it's I know it's a tough place to play in the sense of the fan base and how loud they are in ball games and and the fact that there's such a passion from the fan base <laughs> as the as we've been talking. But but no, I've never really thought about how many points or anything from that. I don't know how you quantify that. Yeah. I think it's based on the team that you've got and how good that team might be. Tomorrow's gonna be a hellaciously fun time. Yes, it will. I'm looking forward to it. I know everybody else is, too. And it's going to be loud. You better get your uh, noise-canceling <laughs> earbuds in. You know what I mean? Well, I, I know I you're almost, going to the earbuds now. So, Yeah, I've been in uh, the earbud uh, scenario for quite some time now. But the biggest problem I have is when we came home from College Park, uh, I think I just about – because my ears got plugged up, you know, on the flight and, sure. the, and the, the descent – and I still haven't totally unplugged at this point. And I was trying to, I may have popped an eardrum. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it may take more than earbuds for me to hear Wait what's going on. Well, I mean, you work with, you work with Jake Robinson and he's worked with me before and I'm nearly deaf. So they all know when I, when I go on remote, everybody's got to crank it up to like 10 for me to hear anything. So, well, I know he'll, Jake is not here right now. He's actually going, he's at the Super Bowl, believe oh, it or not. Oh, okay. Oh he, man. He's, working, he's gotten a big job this week. We're, we're a little too small for him right now, <laughs> but, but Jake is actually out there and Noah champion is our uh, engineer for the next few ball games here. While, while Jake is taking a breather at the Super Bowl. Yes, that's well done. Hey, Bob, by the way, speaking of a flight, you guys land. You guys take off and land in Bloomington, right? Yes, most what, of the time. Is that um, <laughs> is that a little bit weird? I've always wondered when all of a sudden there's nothing but trees, and then you just like put her down right there in a bunch of trees. Is that a little weird? Uh, I'm probably the worst person to ask that because here's the truth of the matter: I've been doing this so long and flying in and out of Bloomington for such a long time. I'm so used to it. I don't really think about it when we're and and you know they they expanded the airport some time back uh, the runways and everything. So well, that's good. Planes, the, the planes that we fly in there are good sized planes, and and therefore there's not really anything to fear. <laughs> Even though who, who somebody had an accident there a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, that happened. That that that, that happened. Plus the barefoot bandit. Remember the barefoot bandit back in the day that got under the fence and got in there and fired up somebody's plane and took off in it no i don't remember you don't remember the barefoot bandit oh yeah and that's normally the barefoot bandit is resides in green county but this guy was from the state of washington and he was like the barefoot bandit. he was the barefoot bandit going around the country and i think he uh he somehow shuffled himself under the fence and then hot wired one of those airplanes and took off in it (laughs) (laughs) i guess I get well, you know. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because there's a lot of strange things that happen in the in in Bloomington in regard to yes. different places that you go. If you know what yes. I mean. Yes. Well, just as long as your pilots <laughs> they land on the airstrip and not Hart Straight Road, it's a good landing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. I'm going to see you here. I'm I'm done at six, so I'll head that direction. Okay, I've got a, I got a reservation for between six thirty and seven. It'll be ready. For are we us. are we drinking tonight? 
Uh, we will have uh, adult oh, beverages on occasion, well, yeah. Cocktails will be served this evening. I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right, I'll see you down there as soon as I get down there, buddy. All right, man. See you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, and then Mike Wells, slow jammery entry with Mike Wells from ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Mike? I got to thank you. the name of the song. I cannot. Uh. This is honestly one of the best yet most forgotten slow jams of the decade low of the key, 90s. Low key. Low key. It is low key right there. Low yeah. key. I got a thing for you. My lemon drop. Oh. My lollipop. <laughs> you really got it going on. Yeah. <laughs> this is, that is classic right there. I don't think we've ever done low key as a Mike Wells slow jam re-entry. So first time for it right here. We, we have not. Hey, by the way, before we get rolling on um, on uh, what seems to be the world's longest head coaching search. Yes. Um, the Lakers going into the field house and pulling out a close game last night. Our, our good buddy, Mark Sion with Big Green Egg, told me to tell you he's got a Big Green Egg cover for you. Oh, if, um, good. Mine's Egg, shredded. He's got, he's got it ready for you. Mine is shredded. The wind is weird, too. Like, the wind that goes through the uh, the back of my property right there, it cuts like a knife. It really does. Coming up from the southwest, I mean, it's done some things to the hot tub cover. It's... It's messing with stuff back there, so it has absolutely shredded my cover. It's I, I've had two different gas grills because the wind has lifted it up and like just thrown it like a tin can before. So it's rough, Ew. rough back there, man. It is. Gonna have a little windbreak. I need to build a hill or something. Put a hill up there. Yeah, man, man, man. Hey, um, your your, your favorite member of the Wells household told me to tell you hello. She said she missed you. On Monday night, when the uh, gang got reunited, uh, the Center Grove girls. That was had, uh, that was awesome. It was probably uh, better served that uh, I missed it. Yes, so that's probably a good thing. But yes, I miss her. That is going to be the biggest reason as to why I would have driven out there to see the lovely and awesome Layla. Yes, yes. I I would have loved I would have loved to have you in the stands with us. Though. We we would have had. A blast cheering on the uh, former hotshot girls. Yeah, I might have I might have had to uh, ask you to be on your best behavior, but we we, we would have been good still though. Yeah, I think one of the last times I got over there, they threw me out of the gym. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> threw me out of the gym the last time I was. I didn't even do anything either. At least if I if I get thrown out of a gym, Mike, I, I want to at least have done something, right? So I want to at least have, yeah. have done something. So yeah, it, it was probably better all the way around that uh, I I couldn't because of this particular show make it out there. But I heard good stories. Lane Lou was happy to see everybody. Happy to see you guys, and uh, still wants to come back to your house and probably never leave. So hey, hey, listen, we we got plenty of room for Miss Lane. She's got an open invite to the Wells household. Never, never, ever leave. So yeah, sorry we missed you, but uh, say hello to the lovely Layla as well. I I want to start right here with the Colts and the coaching search. When you start to at least get on the fringe of a third round, what what does that mean more to you? Does it mean? 
that we are vetting fully here and we're going to take the best candidate. But can it also mean that none of these dudes right here are wowing us whatsoever? That's why it's taking so long. How do you view it? I take it as that nobody's coming out and hitting a home run right away. I feel like if they're, if they're which Bauer said he's going to take his time on and everything, but the fact that you're going to have guys coming in for a third round tells you that, okay, uh, you know what, we need, it, 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 it's a close race and nobody has pulled away from it, so we need to make sure we're doing it the right way. I, I, I think if, if, if I'm a coach fan, I'm alarmed that it's taking this long and that they're having guys coming for a third round of interviews off of it because, I mean, what is it? it's, it's the Colts and Arizona, the last two teams with coaching vacancies, right? What's that? I'm sorry. The, Col- the Colts and uh, Cardinals. Yes, the yeah, the Colts team. and the Cardinals. The uh, last team standing looking for a head coach at this present time. Yeah, so um, I'm getting worried that it's taking, it's taking three rounds. I think three rounds with multiple candidates is a little extra, in my opinion. I mean, what, what's been your take off of it? I would think that. I would just think that it, it's kind of like I have said that none of these candidates really uh, wow me. And then everybody gets bent out of shape about it. Well, Nick Seriati didn't wow Philly. Well, I mean, he started out he started out in a bad spot. The first presser he had uh, was not good for him. He got shredded by his own teams, his new team's fans. But, you know, he's got a quarterback, got a wide receiver, got a defense. They're sitting pretty right now. It's a different situation altogether here. That's why I had wished that something higher higher name recognizable would have worked. That's why I always cheered for the whole Harbaugh thing because I thought he covered absolutely every aspect of what is necessary with the major doubt, Mike, that surrounds this team coming from its fan base right now. I mean, think about this for a moment. The fan base here, at least some of them, not all of them, about 3,500 or so, signed a petition regarding Jeff Saturday. He's a guy that's in the ring of honor. He's the guy that helped lead them to their only Super Bowl win here in Indy. And look at the lengths in which this fan base is going to hopefully ensure he's not retained as the future head coach. I I just think more so than anything, that – that highlights just the lack of trust that these fans have around here with any organizational decision that's about to be made. Yeah, and that petition is up to 4,076. Is it really? Uh, 4,076. Who have signed, yes. Um, I, hey, you know, you bring, it's funny you bring up Saturday. I, obviously, I don't, have any, I don't have any insight on it because, you know, I'm not in the building, but I just think that if the longer it takes, the more odds increase that um, Jeff Saturday could be the head coach. Then your mercy is going to say, okay, this is my guy. It, it, but if I'm Chris Ballard and you don't believe in Jeff Saturday, I'm fighting for one of these other candidates to be the head coach over Jeff Saturday. Yeah, well, listen, that's why I think – I've said this and, and – the only thing that's going around are rumors, and I brought up these rumors because if you remember last time you were covering the team, the last time they were going through a coaching search and that whole fiasco with Josh McDaniels happened, there were more leaks in that bad boy than the Titanic, informationally speaking. I mean, they were just spouting off everywhere with with info about what they're doing and involving Polin and Manning and Dungy in the hiring process. And, you know, Jim was going to take it over because he was embarrassed about how uh, that was fiasco 
Road at the helm by Chris Ballard at the time. So there was all sorts of information. But, Mike, not a lot coming right now. Now, you hear the, the rumor that you know Jeff Saturday kind of knows he's not going to be it. Um, and then you hear a rumor like Callahan and Steichen are basically the two front runners right now. I don't know if I buy any of those rumors, but that's really all that you have to go on right now because they're they're keeping this thing as tightly wrapped as I think we've seen it, informationally speaking, around there in a while. And as they should, quite honestly, they they, they should. They no should question. Now, it, it, need, it needs to stay, stay quiet. So let's just, let's just do this. We see we see who the remaining candidates candidates are. You are the combination of Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard. Who are you saying this is the guy we need to try to steer the ship back in the right direction? Um, the guy that uh, I thought they needed didn't want this gig or didn't want any other gig. He wanted to go back to no, Dallas. No, no, no. Oh, well, well, yeah, well, yeah, but the the, the the remaining candidates that are left. Oh, the remaining guys. I, I mean, it would stand to reason I would go ahead and follow what I wanted and have somebody with a, a great deal of experience. <laughs> but the guys with experience don't really do anything for you. I mean, if you know, if it's you know Rich Basaccio or if it's Wink Martindale, I mean, you got that with Gus Bradley. But Gus Bradley at least has head coaching experience. So I, I guess we're in favor right now. I'd have to be in favor of going with somebody that um, is a first-timer, somebody that's offensive-oriented. There's no doubt that I think we all like what they've done in Cincinnati. And Brian Callahan, yeah. I would start with, with Brian Callahan. But there, you can poke significant holes in all of this. And that's that's why I thought that there was one perfect so-called candidate out there that clearly didn't want any part of this and then everybody else is just kind of a a roll the dice and a crapshoot and i'll be honest with you mike we're going to be talking about a scenario just like this coming up in the spring because that's kind of how you feel about the whole quarterback drafting situation i mean that's going to be rolling the dice with somebody that you think you like but is it going to be what you expect it to be doesn't seem like there's a lot of sure things out there right now with either head coaching search or what ultimately is going going to be a quarterback being drafted here. So essentially what, 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 what we're saying, I'm saying we, meaning you and I, is that as of now, we can't say that, okay, there, there, a, there's no surefire of anything, which means we can't say the future is bright in Indianapolis on uh, West 56th Street because of who they may end up hiring. I, I, I like Callahan. I, I like, I mean, obviously there's, there's no um, Burrow or Higgins or Chase. Um, on the Colts roster, but still, you got to think that he's got the tools to be able to, you know, from what he's learned from Zach Taylor, uh, to be a head coach and come up with an offensive system that's going to work in Indianapolis if he is that guy. You know, I mentioned to Mike Wells on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline that fan base here, they're just not down with the trust and the decision-making. Where do you think the the least amount of trust in Colts decision making right now, where does that lie? With the general manager, or the owner? Ooh, man, man, God, they, they both they both got some screw ups. Obviously, Ursay and still trying to live in the past with the you know bringing in Jeff Snyder as the interim head coach, Chris Bauer not addressing the tackle, um, still not having a quarterback. Man, I think, ooh. Honestly, I, I would say there's more blame on Chris Ballard because I think 
if Ballard had not messed up on some things, I don't think Jim Merce would be as hands-on as he is. He's a hands-on owner, but I don't think it would be as bad as it took the point that he went out and handpicked his interim head coach. So I'll give me Chris Bauer with more to blame. Yeah, the reason why I bring that up is it's going to take some proof here. And I said this after last year, after they bowed out of the postseason in an embarrassing fashion, you know, I had stated all offseason, you're really not going to be happy about anything until you see this product and a different product, a positive product. That basically never came. And that's what you got working, Mike, right now. You have a product with a, a lack of confidence with a fan base, no matter what you're doing, any decision that you make. So you not only have to make the right decisions, but those decisions have to parlay into success for a team because you just haven't seen it consistently enough. You've just been so disappointed that, it, to me, it's going to be a major see-it-to-believe-it type of turnaround here. And this thing's going to take a while. I mean, it's not like you're going to go into a phone booth if there were any left in the world and come out, you know, Clark Kent and, and come out as Superman in this case. It, it It's going to take a while to put all this thing back together, and that's the only way I think this organization has to prove it to the fans is to, hey, you know what? It's a new era we're working into now, you know, maybe a different philosophy, an adjusted philosophy of Ballard that ultimately does keep the owner out of meddling and uh, picking the right guys. Seriously, this, this is a high-wire act for this group right now that does not have a lot of confidence behind it. And this high-wire this high act is Peter and I falling off and crashing to the ground. It, it's closer to crashing to the ground than it is, you know, getting stability up on that wire and, and getting through everything. Because you made an excellent point. This is not like, okay, they get a head coach in and they got the quarterback and this is a one-year fix and all of a sudden they're right there um, winning the AFC South and getting to the playoffs again. That, that's, that, I mean, it's not impossible, but there's just so many issues they have to get resolved in, in this um, offseason. And I'm starting to wonder if, if there's – I know Bauer – I'm assuming Ursay's bringing Bauer back, but depending on whoever Ursay signs off on head coach, how that's going to impact his relationship with his general manager. Yeah, I just I, – I think we're – and I could be wrong – because again, you know, Jim's going to have that ultimate decision, but I, it, it feels much so we're past Jeff Saturday being it. And hey, somebody told me that earlier this week. I don't know if that again is going to be true, but uh, if it's not true, that's certainly as of right now how this ends up feeling as far as Jeff Saturday is concerned and his possible future as the head coach. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You've been around a Pacer team in the past, too, that has gone through rebuilds, maybe not uh, at this level of rebuild. I I said this, and I've said this all along, but I I I solidified that today. I am so sick and tired of hearing about entertaining wins. I am. And I understand what people were saying. All right, well, you're entertaining, but you lose, and you put yourself in better position coming up in the draft. My problem with that is you can be entertaining, and you can also close out games. You can grow from closing out games, from closing out the greatest player of all time and his teammates in a fourth quarter. Why is it not understandable that you can grow in that fashion and also win? Why does it always have to revert back to whatever happens coming up in June? That drives me nuts. Well, first of all, it, it, they should be pat, 
past the days of oh yeah, you know, get a, get a, get a good draft position. This this team has talent. They have talent on their they have talent on their roster. But that whole oh yeah, you they're excited or whatever. The reality is you have to win. They what they, they have to. I don't even. When's the last time they've been to the playoffs? Off the top of your head, I can't remember. What year was it? Uh, was it th- three years ago? No, two years ago now. Yeah, so playing. I, so so. I, yeah. So how, how long do you want to use the whole? Uh, let's let's get get a um, get some good draft picks. Blah blah blah, and add more pieces. I think they got they got. I, I like this roster. Is it perfect? Is it flawed? Oh hell yeah, it's, it's flawed. But it's good enough to win games and win games like last night. I mean, I didn't watch the game. I, I uh, watched bits and pieces of it, so I didn't watch it from start to finish. But based off Twitter, it was the ref's fault that the Patriots didn't win the game last night. Well, when you because, when you leave it up to the best in the world, then you're going to be screwed anyway. I just I expect stuff like that because it wasn't just a week ago when you know an officiating crew was screwing over LeBron James in Boston. And then last night, the Lakers and LeBron get all the calls in the fourth. There's no doubt that was lopsided, 16-0 to free throws for the Lakers to the Pacers. But, I mean, really, when you think about it, I know what Rick Carlisle was doing because Benedict Matherin has been the guy in the fourth quarter to get to the free throw line. And, man, he didn't sniff the floor. I, I didn't really understand what was going on with that in mind. It's not like that the Pacers last night, Mike, were overly aggressive to try to get something easy at the free throw line. They were settling, and that settling came back to bite them. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and when you're playing a team that plays downhill, like the Lakers with, with LeBron or, and, and Westbrook, and, you know, you're with Anthony Davis, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt because of the style of play and with LeBron attacking the basket. I mean, just think about this. It was just a couple of weeks ago, you know, you, I was on the show with you, and we were just raving about how the Patriots are right, you know, sitting in one of the top six teams in the Eastern Conference, which means they didn't have to worry about the playing type stuff. Now, as the playoffs started, they're not, they're not even getting a chance to try to um, beat teams 7 through 10. They're on the outside looking in. How things, that, 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 that long road, road trip kicked them behind, and then last Friday, Milwaukee jumps on them and gets up 37 points, and they're starting to look more and more different people like, oh, they go to Patriots again. Back to, back to their bad ways, which is a horrible, a horrible thought process to have considering how good they looked early in the season and they were rounding around everybody and Halliburton was out there shutting Wally Zerbier's ass up and everything. But now they're, they're on that struggle bus again. I just I, – I see it this way. I, I don't think they're as good as what we saw when they were, what, four or five games over 500 prior to the, the injury to Halliburton and going on that, that losing skid. I just – I look at it this way. Everybody seems to think the only way you're going to get growth – and the only way is to go is to, well, you can have fun being able to watch him, but then they lose and, you know, utilize that dynamic as far as the draft is concerned, maybe trade draft picks and move up or whatever. I just think that there, there is a great deal about evolving and getting better as a team when you close out games that you should last night. And I think that that is a level of growth. In fact, can you imagine if you walked up to Halliburton or to Heald or somebody like that and said, hey, you know what? That's very entertaining. That was an entertaining loss. You think they would dig on hearing that? No, they want to win. And you want to see this team grow as a team that's capable of closing a game they should have liked last night in the fourth. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to see that. 
Well, no. I mean, first of all, anybody who doesn't want to see that, I, I question their, their, their love for whatever sport it is that, that, that they're um, going to see on a regular basis. Yeah, listen, they have an opportunity to sweep the Lakers with LeBron James. I know the Lakers aren't the same team that they were. They're not, they're not a dominant team, but still to be, be able to sweep the Lakers, it, you, it, 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 it's good for morale, and it, it, it's a home game. And now you're playing a Sacramento team, which I, I've been thoroughly impressed with what um, former Patriots assistant coach Mike um, Brown has done. You got you got the bonus coming back in town tonight and everything. It's not like, okay, these are the same Kings and the, and the Patriots can get back, get back and get rolling again. No, the Kings got the third best record in the Western Conference. So it's not even a guarantee that they'll beat them tonight. They got blasted by Sacramento out west. So it, the snowball can, can continue – to uh, keep building on the pages if they don't get their heads up at the rear end. It's uh, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. Also works, spend some time down in Bloomington. So with that time now, you're deeply entrenched into everything that is IU in Bloomington. Are you going to the game tomorrow? Nah, man. I, listen, I, I had suitors asking me if I was going to be roaming around and stuff down there. But uh, nah, my man Tay's got a game tomorrow, so I'm going to skip out on it. Uh, but I will be able to catch the second half of the game, though, because um, – and I and hopefully IU fans will get mad, but I tell you, boy, those freshmen for Purdue. Obviously, we know Zach Eady is the real deal, kicking everybody's butt. But um, Lawyer and, uh, and and Braden Smith, man, those freshmen are are, are doing big things for Purdue. And, I, and I've, I've always said this, and I've always felt like Matt Painter is the best college coach in the state of Indiana. I felt it when Clean was here too. I just feel like what Painter does while not getting a quote unquote McDonald's All Americans, he is doing great things up in West Lafayette, in my opinion. Yeah, no question about that. Hey, by the way, Mark just asked me this. He said, you haven't said anything about the L.A.-leaning fans last night at Gambridge Fieldhouse, which was disgusting to me. Actually, I did bring that up a little bit earlier. The problem that you have when there's not a great deal of high-level expectation and those that suggest you can be entertained by losses say just that, then you're going to end up getting – a lot of loud LeBron James butt-sniffing fans in your venue like they had last night, correct? I mean, that's just the way that it's going to be. It's going to be that way for the Lakers, for the Warriors. It's going to be that way until you get this thing back up to where you can weed those folks out and get nothing but Pacer fans in there. That's a part of the growing process, too. Unfortunately, I hate it, but that's just the way that it is here. That's that's just the reality because they look at it like – you know, you know the, the um, LeBron Laker fans who live in Chicago, they can come down to Indy and get a cheaper ticket than the, when he plays at the United Center. They can go down. It, it was the same way when you know the late Kobe Bryant was here. When Derrick Rose, remember, remember when Derrick Rose was one of the best players in the league? Chicago fans would just dominate. Well, that's a that's a that's a hell of a region of Indiana ticket right there. That's why the Fieldhouse smells like bo when Chicago plays here, because you get every region yeah, so, Bulls fan down here at a cheaper price. Yeah, so that that's the if, the if the Patriots start winning and stuff, those Patriots fans will start showing up, and there's no way in hell they're gonna be giving you know giving up their tickets so the field house can be full of gold and purple jerseys or John Moran jerseys or or whatever else. Listen, it, it's up to the Patriots to start winning to get to get that fan base to be back to being 99.9 percent pro Pacers instead of having the other team get close to 50 percent in their fans. I do agree, though. That is a bummer. That's a bummer when you hear it like it was last night. Late in the fourth, late in the fourth, it was loud Laker love. 
going on in there. And that sucks, but, you know, as you mentioned, it's always been the case. And those that are in there are paying for the tickets. I don't know what you can do unless you're just going to get all Pacer fans in there. And, and ultimately, that'll happen again when the Pacers are a consistent winner. So it's got to be more yeah, than just entertaining losses to weed out the LeBron James fans when he's there once a year. Exactly, man. So, shoot. Well, I know we got to get running, brother. Hey, tell my girl Lane. Tell my girl Lane. You know what? Great weekend. Keep, keep, her head, keep her head up and everything, too, man. Layla. Shout out to Layla as well. Can you imagine you and I would have been over there? When was that? Monday night? That would have been really good. Monday. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you would have. He'd have probably got up and decided to sit someplace else. Don't imagine. <laughs> no, no, hey, no, no, listen, man. You come, you come to Brownsburg. You get VIP treatment, man. You, you get VIP, <laughs> no matter what anybody thinks. Uh, you got a school board member with you, man. You're in good standings, man. We're good to go. Got it, buddy. Tell Layla I said hello. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline right now. Indiana Sports Talk, the program. Friday and Saturday nights throughout the state of Indiana, the affiliation, it's Network Indiana. And Bob Lovell joins us now. You've got uh, big nights coming up tonight and tomorrow night with the girls, don't you? No, it's tournament. Tournament time, John. <laughs> These are, you know, this is big. Uh, you remember the days back uh, in your uh, I think normally, no, this is Friday. We were probably done by now. <laughs> More than likely, but still. Yeah, yeah. Is, we, uh, we normally bow down on Tuesday, yes. <laughs> Something great about this week. It's uh, one of those memorable weeks for everybody. There so, is. You know, it's an exciting weekend. What, what, what's also cool to me is, and I guess I, I noticed that a little bit more when, when you have a daughter and you pay a little bit more attention right, to right. it. It is cool to see the evolution of the girls' game and the interest in the girls' game in this state continue to grow. And I mean, you know, past 10 years, past 20 years, it, it is it is cool to see the way that it has grown to where it is right now and logically it's going to grow even more as we move forward in the future. Well, I think you're you're right, and it's, and it's well said. I mean, I, I can recall being in high school – uh, and there were no girls' state championship finals. You know, it wasn't until the 70s when they started to have girls' championships. And so the tournament, um, you know, has not been around as long as everybody thinks. And uh, I was fortunate when I went to Franklin College as the basketball coach, Miss um, Basketball, Judy Warren, uh, went there and played there. And it's great to see her and see how she was part of history with that first championship team at Warsaw. Now you fast forward to now – Listen, we not only have great teams, we as a state produce tremendous players. I mean, tremendous players and getting better and better. We're, we're talking about some of the best players in the country headed to UConn and places like that. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's so much fun to watch it and see the evolution and see the success. And uh, the arc is continuing, quite frankly. Well, in one of the teams is well outside our area, and that's South Bend. South Bend, Washington, uh, is the logical favorite. And, and this is what you see. You don't really notice. You go, okay, well, they're unbeaten this year. They're, they're obviously uh, the favorite in Class 4A, Sectional 3. South Bend, Washington at 24-0 and zero on the season. They, they haven't even been challenged. 
and certainly not been challenged by a team in this state. Their closest game, I think, is like a 12-point win over West Bloomfield, Michigan. They, they've not even had a challenge from anybody to this point. Well, to go back, John, they, they have moved into 4A because they've won the 3A in impressive fashion two straight years. You know, coach, two daughters, three daughters, now two. Uh, they just keep rolling along. They're more than than just the sisters. They're a tremendously talented group, and um, they're impressive. They really are. I mean, think about that. You win three a couple straight years. You bump up, and you don't lose a game in the regular season. And so we all know how hard it is to run the table and go undefeated and win championships. And uh, their, their story is um, is one of those that will go down as one of the greatest runs the team's had championship-wise in the sport of basketball in our state. And it's just – it's really um, – unmatched in many respects, but um, you, know, you still have some tremendous teams. And like, you know, locally, I mean, you think about trying to uh, navigate your way through sectional eight at Noble. So you had, you know, when we did the pairing show, you had Fishers was number four, Westfield, uh, excuse me, Zionsville, number three, uh, Noblesville, number two, Hamilton, Southeastern, number six, you know, four top 10 ranked teams in one sectional, uh, and we all know how difficult that sectional is anyway. Uh, but that's just um, it's kind of how it's gone. And, and so, again, it's just one of those great years of basketball. Uh, and the tournament will be – has already been and continues to be a fantastic thing for everyone. Is it because of what you just mentioned in that, that sectional with, you know, the, the semifinal in Noblesville and Fishers and Hamilton Southeastern and talking about coming down from the north and south Bend, Washington and 4A, is it much more logical to believe that – I don't want to say the easier path, that's probably inaccurate, but uh, the more doable path maybe would be that coming up from the south with what is in and around the southern portion in girls basketball the state? Well, I think it depends on who you talk to. <laughs> I don't think any of it's easy, uh, but I understand the question. I think it's one of those things where normally if you look at sectional eight, whoever comes out of there has a legitimate chance to play for a championship. Uh, I think everyone is looking for South and Washington to come out uh, from the northern part of the state. And so we'll just see how this all works. But it's um, – listen, I think overall – the, the, the basketball, the girls' basketball in our state's getting better and better, maybe as good as it's been uh, with this crop of uh, talented young ladies around the state and these kinds of teams. And so if you're a basketball fan, if you haven't already been, you need to get out and watch some tremendous basketball this weekend. All right, because you got the girls' semifinals and the girls' finals tonight and tomorrow night. Uh-huh. The boys played on a Thursday night. There's a pretty heavy schedule around the state of Indiana last it's, night, Bob. You have a big schedule last night. You got some games, a lot of afternoon games tomorrow, and uh, and it's, it's kind of cool and it's not too early to look ahead. So you, you've got the pairing show. Greg and I have the pairing show. I think it's the nineteenth of January. I think it's the nineteenth. I hope it is. That's because um, that's what I have in my mind. So it's it's right around the corner. You know, it's it's tournament time. We're into it, and and we don't stop obviously until we get into March. Yeah, and uh, you look around last night from my portion of the state, a little double overtime, Bloomfield over North Davies action. So it looked one like of the best game. Yeah, yeah, yeah it looked like my, my guy J.B. Neal, classmate. I shouldn't say classmate, but schoolmate of mine back in the day. Got the uh, Cardinals over. I don't want to say turncoat because he's a Bloomfield now, but no. 
Seriously. It's a great story. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're number one. They have been number one in, uh, in 1A. Um, obviously, North Davies has owned that in the last couple of years, won the championship a year ago. We talked about their story moving to 3A. And so that's a great game. That was one, uh, probably the best game in the state last night because they, they, they moved it to this Thursday, knowing they'd have basically the whole state to themselves, if you will, in terms of top games. Uh, in and around the girls' tournaments. So it's great scheduling and two really, really good basketball teams. All right. Well, um, a little separation going on with the fellas throughout the state right now. Normally you get – you really start to to look at separation. But I will say this. There's a lot that's kind of hanging in there. It looks like that – I don't want to say parity. Maybe that's the wrong way to define it. But uh, there are certainly similarities with team after team that make these games – you know, every week with these matchups, even more entertaining than normal. Uh, I agree with you. I, I think the the word the word we've used quite a bit is is balance. I think they're they're as you point out, they're a lot of really good teams, and um, so you know it, you you're not surprised to see great matchups all around. Again, I think our state we have tremendous coaches, uh, tremendous players, uh, getting better and and better recruiting from all around the country on the boys and girls side. So uh, why not expect to have great balance? And I, I think we talked about at the beginning of the basketball season, I'm not sure that there was a team that you would say would be the dominant team in any of the classes. Uh, and, and you look at, a, at Ben Davis has played well and they're number one and, and, and everybody likes what Don Carlisle's doing and they should. But uh, there are a handful of teams, I think, that will challenge him. I think the same thing is, is, is true all the way through, to be honest. And so, bodes well for all of us uh, when it comes to tournament time. There he is, Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, tonight, tomorrow night. This is a wheelhouse time of year for him with the girls' sectional semifinals and the finals coming up tomorrow I think we all know the place to be, and that is with Indiana Sports Talk. They'll be here and around the state of Indiana. I hope so, John. It's always a fun time, quite frankly. Uh, nothing better than tournament time. And uh, I'm just fortunate to be able to, to do what I do and, and uh, play some small part in it. So I'm looking forward to the next, not only uh, tonight for sectionals, but these next uh, few weekends till we get in and uh, get championships crowned. So uh, it's fun to, be, uh, fun to be a Hoosier this time of year, no question. When did you say the, you got the – I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to mention, in addition to that – you know, you, you get a great matchup tomorrow down in Bloomington. So um, it's 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 great to be a basketball fan in our state. So when are the boys sectional pairings? When is that show you guys do? That's the nineteenth of uh, of January, nineteenth of this month. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be here before you know it. It is. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> um, it's um, it's it's it comes on you quickly. It's fun. Uh, it's it's a hard. It's a hard show to do. Uh, not that what you and I do is very difficult, to be honest, but I will tell you, strap yourself in for two hours with no breaks uh, and uh, do 400-plus schools in terms of who they're going to play, and you're going to try to mention as many of them as you can. So, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of a challenge. Man, there was nothing like it back in the day. You were just sitting around waiting for the pairing show and knowing that you were going to get screwed. 
<laughs> I, don't know, I had no, different memories. Knowing I, I knowing that your rival was going to get the bye, and you're going to have to play uh, on Tuesday night. <laughs> uh, I remember playing on Tuesday. I remember getting. I remember getting the bye. I, I remember you know both scenarios, and it was okay. It was good. I was fortunate to play on a couple of teams that won championships too. So um, I understand it. Uh, you know, played on a team got eliminated in the first night, and played on two that won the championship. So. Uh, I got a chance to experience all that. Yeah, there were always – I loved those schools, though. You always felt you were going, and you always felt you were ready to and did get screwed. That's just part of it. You know, it's part of the fun of it, part of the debate. <laughs> well, I'm, I try not to take such a fatalistic view of life as you do. But... <laughs> like you knew when you are going to Bedford North Lawrence that you were about ready well, yeah. to get homered yeah. right out of the gym. That's what you knew. Well, yeah, I was lucky to play, you know, in in, in at at Brownsburg with the, basically Hendricks County with uh, yeah, you know, Plainfield, Danville, Avon, those guys, and so you know, we were big rivals, county schools, county rivals, right down the road. Knew a lot about each other, competed against each other since we were little kids, and so you know, for us, it was just one of those kinds of things where uh, you know, they, they, nobody had an advantage. We were all pretty even. Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talks, got you covered tonight and tomorrow night. Network Indiana affiliation around the state of Indiana. Those great radio stations around the state. Bob, you have a great weekend. We'll talk at you next Friday. Thanks a lot, John. Thanks for having me. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.